Hello, and welcome into the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes. On today's episode, it's the Star Wars Legends Lounge Courtship of Princess Leia Extravaganza. A look at one of the silliest, strangest, most influential stories in all of Legends. It's a story that's easy to mock, but it's beloved by Legends fans. I mean, who hasn't asked themselves the question, what if Leia dated Fabio? It really is the great romance novel of our time. But first, it's listener question time, or in this case, a message. Today, we have an audio file submitted via email by a listener with the handle Brooke Nury. Let's hear what they have to say. Hi, I'm a longtime fan of Star Wars since the prequel times and one thing I'm feeling for these Disney sequel movie mainly it is utter disappointment to point of anger. I know it's not that serious but I'll know I shouldn't be a gatekeeper but I feel like Star Wars identity was ruined by those Disney sequel but you have given me hope as I can find these books and audiobook to listen to as in the past. Thanks for the message, Brooke Nury, and thank you for taking the time to send it as an audio file. It can be difficult when you've been a fan of something for a long time and they produce something that you don't connect with. There are plenty of Star Wars fans that agree with you. But here's the beauty of Star Wars. There are plenty of stories for you to enjoy in a galaxy far, far away. And you can pick and choose which ones you want to consume and then return to. I don't know how old you are, Brooke Nury, but you said in your message that you've been a Star Wars fan since the prequel era. So... I'm going to bet that I'm a few years older than you are, if not a few decades older. For me, the discourse surrounding the sequel films today sounds a lot like the discourse that surrounded the prequels in the early 2000s. It's just today, with the internet and social media, that discourse is more in your face. I was 21 years old when The Phantom Menace came out in 1999, and I was 27 by the time Revenge of the Sith was released. A lot of folks that grew up with the original trilogy were really upset with the prequels, especially episodes 1 and 2, myself included. To this day, I'm still not a fan of those films overall, but as time has moved on and I've gotten a little older, I look back fondly at some of the things in the prequel films. There's some really good stuff in there. The overarching story of Anakin Skywalker's downfall and Palpatine's rise to power is fascinating. I still don't think it's executed well, but I try not to let that spoil my appreciation for those movies when I rewatch them. And it's the same with the sequels for me. I think there's some really great stuff in all three of the sequel films, especially the characters. I'm just not a fan of the overarching story in the sequels. But again, I just try to focus on the parts of the movies that I like. Now, here's the best part. If you don't like them, you don't have to watch them. Some parts of Star Wars will speak to you, others won't. And you can pick and choose which parts that you want to consume. One of the hosts of another Star Wars podcast, Force Center, Joseph Scrimshaw, likes to compare Star Wars to a buffet. You can decide what you want to eat. I'm a fan of the Legends line of books, and it sounds like you are too, Brooke Nury. But let me tell you, if it wasn't for doing this podcast, there are some Legends books that I would never read again. I just don't connect with them. It's the same in canon. I think the books released during the first few years after the Disney acquisitions were kind of a roller coaster. 
from 2014 to about 2018. Now, I love some of the books released during those years, but there are just as many that I don't like at all. And like I've said before on this show, I don't read many comic books or play video games, even though I know there are some fantastic stories in the comics and video games. I just don't enjoy those media. Star Wars has something for everyone. So, just focus on the things the saga offers you that you really like. Thank you very much for the message, Brooke Nury. And if you, dear listener, want to be really cool and have your email or your audio file presented on the show, you can email me at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or you can send a tweet at legendslounge1. If you want to send an audio file, just please use MP3 or MP4 format. That really helps me out. Now, it's time to get into this book, The Courtship of Princess Leia by Dave Wolverton. Grab yourself a drink. Let's head in to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Today's story recap is going to be a little shorter because I want to get to more of the analysis part of the show. And we can hear your opinions of the book. The story begins with Han Solo returning to Coruscant after chasing Warlord Zinj for months. When the Mon Ramonda arrives in system, Han finds the planet surrounded by a fleet of Hapen battle dragons and Imperial Star Destroyers. Han orders his task force to take evasive actions and calms New Republic Command. What is happening? Is Coruscant under attack? No. It turns out the Hapens have sent a delegation to the New Republic. Han is skeptical. For thousands of years, the Hapens have kept their borders closed to the outside galaxy. But now, they've sent a representative to Coruscant to negotiate some kind of treaty with the New Republic government. When Han lands on the surface, he rushes to find Leia, but he runs into C-3PO, who rushes Han to the Imperial Palace. The diplomatic ceremony has already started, and Leia is already on the floor, meeting with the delegation. 3PO leads Han to the Alderanian Senatorial Suite, where he finds Mon Mothma. That's weird. Why is the head of the New Republic government here and not down on the floor? The Hapens have specifically requested to meet with Leia, Mon Mothma tells Han. Once again, Han is taken aback. He has a bad feeling about this. The Hapes cluster consists of 63 inhabited worlds, and every one of them comes bearing gifts for Leia. There's rainbow gems from Galanor, a wisdom tree from Salab, and a gun of command from Cheruba. Finally, from the planet Hapes itself, a tall, veiled being approaches Leia. The crowd in the Imperial Palace grows silent when the man lowers his veil. It's Crown Prince Isolder, the heir to the Hapes cluster, and one of the most handsome men in the galaxy. Han looks around at all the diplomats who seem astonished. What's going on? he asks Mon Mothma. That's the Crown Prince. Queen Mother Ta'a Chum is offering Leia her son to marry. Of course, this sends Han into a panic. After the ceremony, 
he confronts Leia in her apartments and can't keep his foot out of his mouth. I'm not losing you without a fight, he tells Leia. Well, of course, that's the wrong thing to say, because Leia is a person, not a prize to be won. She sends Han away and agrees to dinner with Princess Older. Desperate to find a way to impress Leia on how much he loves her, Han decides to try and come up with some sort of gift that will rival the treasures that Ta'a Chum has offered. He finds his way to an underground high-stakes sabat game with some extremely seedy but extremely wealthy people. During the game, Han makes a series of risky moves, but his legendary luck is with him, and he ends up making it to the end of the game one-on-one with a Drachmarian warlord named Omog. Han raises the pot so high that Omog is forced to bet the deed to a habitable planet. And of course, Han wins. Now elsewhere in the galaxy, Luke Skywalker is searching for any information or any relics about the Jedi Order. Unfortunately, Emperor Palpatine's destruction of the Jedi has been thorough, as any information about the Jedi have been destroyed. But Luke finds something on the frozen planet of Tula, the home of a fallen Jedi Master. As Luke and R2-D2 search the Jedi's cave, he finds one data cylinder that has escaped the Emperor's fire squads. Luke plugs the cylinder into R2. It's a recording of Master Yoda, a younger, much more vibrant Master Yoda. The recording must be centuries old. It's damaged, but some of it remains, with what sounds like Yoda giving a briefing to the Jedi Council. We tried to free the Chuanther from Dathomir, but were repulsed by the witches. What is the Chuanther, and what is Dathomir? Convinced there is nothing more to find in the cave, Luke gathers up R2 and heads back to Coruscant. Han bursts into Leia's apartment the next morning and offers her the deed to the planet he's won. It's a chance to resettle the Alderanian refugees who were off-world when the planet was destroyed. Leia is shocked, but she takes the deed and reads it. Dothamir. She starts chuckling. Confused, Han asks why Leia is laughing. Dothamir is a planet deep in Zinj-controlled space and currently under a planetary blockade. Devastated and enraged, Han grabs the Gun of Command from Leia's dresser, shoots her with it, and orders her to flee Coruscant with him for Dothamir. The Millennium Falcon arrives at Dothamir to find Zinja's superstar destroyer Iron Fist and several other capital ships. After a brief firefight, Han fakes the Falcon's destruction allowing the ship to fall into the atmosphere before landing on the planet. They're safe for now, but the Falcon is damaged. There's no way they'll be able to leave Dothamir without fixing the ship. Scouting the jungles around the ship, Han discovers that they're not alone. Troops from an Imperial garrison are on the way, searching for the crash site. Han, Leia, Chewbacca, and 3PO are forced to abandon the Falcon to the Imperials and head off into the jungle toward the mountains they see in the east. On Coruscant, Prince Isolder finds Luke and begs him to help track Han and Leia down. Luke agrees, but before they leave, Ta'a Chum requests a dinner with the Jedi. The Queen Mother tells Luke and Isolder 
that she intends to hunt down Han and bring him to justice. After dinner, Luke and Isolder take one of Isolder's ships and head off toward Dathomir. Of course, they also find Zinj's ships around the planet, but using his Force abilities, Luke pilots himself and Isolder down to the surface in a Hapen starfighter. Once on Dathomir, Luke and Isolder find the remains of a starship submerged in a lake. The name of that ship? The Chuunther, a traveling Jedi training academy. Luke tries to gain entry to the ship when he's attacked. He's knocked out by a woman wearing lizard hides. Luke and Isolder are taken capture by a Dathomiri witch named Tenennial Joe and taken back to her village in the mountains. Our heroes are reunited in the village of the Singing Mountain Clan, where they learn the witches are preparing for an attack by the Imperials and the Night Sisters, a group of witches that use their magic for evil. It's the Force, Luke says. The witches use the Force. Luke speaks with Mother Ogwine, the clan leader, and tells her that the survivors of the Chuanthar crash centuries ago made a life with the Dothamiri natives. Their descendants were Force-sensitive, but without the ability to access the Jedi archives trapped inside the ship, the witches learned to use their powers on their own. Luke tells Alguine that those they call the Night Sisters use the dark side of the Force. Alguine says that the head of the Night Sisters, a witch named Gethzerion, is negotiating with Zinj, trying to get a transport to leave the planet. So far, Zinj has refused, but now Han has delivered one into her hands, the Millennium Falcon. The Imperials have taken the ship back to their garrison where they're trying to fix it up, giving the Night Sisters a way off the world. However, now that Zinj knows that Han is on Dothamir, he wants Gethzerion to capture Han before they leave the planet. Zinj launches his Night Cloak satellite system around Dothamir, shielding the world from its sun. Zinj says he'll leave the Night Cloak in place until Han is delivered to him, slowly lowering the temperature on the planet. Within a week, the planet will freeze. Within two, all life will be wiped out. With time of the essence, Han leads our heroes to the Imperial Garrison to steal the Falcon. They succeed and fly back to the Singing Mountain Clan village. Han and Chewie need to complete repairs to the Falcon in order to go to hyperspace. Meanwhile, Luke, Leia, and Prince Isolder help the witches prepare for an attack from the Imperials and the Night Sisters. The opposition arrives at night, and in the battle, Luke is separated from the group. He's attacked by three Night Sisters, using the dark side of the Force to critically wound him. As Luke lies on the ground dying, he feels the force emanating from the planet, from the life surrounding him. The force heals Luke, allowing him to return to the village. Han and Chewie finish the repairs on the Falcon, and they lift off the planet. Luke takes control of the ship, using the force to pilot it in a series of impossible maneuvers, taking out the Night Cloak satellites while evading Imperial blaster fire. Luke brings down the Night Cloak just as Ta'achum and the Hapen battle fleet arrive. The Hapens attack the Imperial capital ships, and Han takes advantage of the fighting to fly the Falcon in close to Iron Fist Bridge. He fires a pair of concussion missiles, destroying the bridge, 
killing Zinj. As the battle nears its end, Gethzerion and the Night Sisters take over a transport shuttle at the Imperial Garrison and lift off in an attempt to escape, but they're blown out of the sky, ending the Night Sisters on Dathomir. The story ends with our heroes returning to Coruscant. Leia turns down Prince Isolder and decides to marry Han, but Isolder does get a happy ending. He agrees to marry Tenaniel Joe, much to the dismay of his mother, Ta'achum. Time for a break. When we come back, I'll talk more about the courtship of Princess Leia, and we'll get the opinion of one of our listeners. I'm Aaron Motes. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Thank you for listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, where we celebrate the books from Star Wars Legends. But allow me to take a moment to recommend a book from Star Wars canon. Tarkin tells the story of a scion of Iriadu. A distinguished soldier and politician, Governor Wilhuff Tarkin rises through the Imperial ranks, believing that the fear of force is the most efficient way to rule. It's a story of action and intrigue. That's Tarkin by James Luceno. Welcome back to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes, and today I'm talking about The Courtship of Princess Leia by Dave Wolverton, one of the most famous and most infamous stories in all of Star Wars Legends. Now, I say that tongue-in-cheek. Most people that have read The Courtship of Princess Leia will tell you, is it the greatest book in the world? No. But, as I said at the beginning of the show, it's silly. It's weird. It has some of the things that make Legends what they are. At least in the early part of Legends, I feel like many of the authors tried to take the feeling of a whiz-bang galactic adventure, much like what was in the original trilogy, particularly the first movie, A New Hope, and continue it in the written universe. They move quickly. And the courtship of Princess Leia is no different in that. What is different is this is the first book in the expanded universe that really does try to bring romantic elements into the story. You know, romance novels were huge in the late 80s, into the early 90s, and even into the mid-90s. And I think Dave Wolverton tries to bring some of the aspects of a romance novel into The Courtship of Princess Leia. And for many of us that were Star Wars fans at the time, this was the first time we had really seen that. It was sort of like seeing Nora Roberts or Danielle Steele in Star Wars. Now, was the book mostly like those pulpy romance novels? No, but it had so many aspects of those pulpy romance novels that I think it really threw many Star Wars fans for a loop when it first came out. That's why so many of us that have read the book joke about Prince Isolde being Fabio, Space Fabio. For those of you who may not know, Fabio was a famous male model in the early to mid-90s 
and his image was used on the cover of many of those romance novels. You know, the ones where the guy with long blonde hair, his shirts open three or four buttons, and you can see his chest out as he holds on to the woman standing there on the deck of his pirate ship, or they're both riding a horse, or something like that. His description in the book is sort of like Fabio. But that's not all that's in this book. I think another thing that was jarring to people was the conflict between Han and Leia. This wasn't the kind of playful banter that they had seen between Han and Leia in the original trilogy films, particularly The Empire Strikes Back. The beginning of this book, there's a lot of actual animosity. Well, animosity is not the right word, but the arguments they get in are not playful arguments. Han really does push Leia's buttons. He ticks her off. She's trying to fulfill her role as a representative of the New Republic government, and she's hosting these delegates from Hapes. Ta'achum offers Princey Solder's hand in marriage in order to solidify a political pact between the New Republic and the Hapes cluster. Marriages have been used to solidify political alliances for thousands of years. And of course, this sends Han off the deep end. He and his soldier get into a competition over Leia. Both of them talk about Leia as though she's not even in the room. They are each going to win her hand. And it really upsets her, rightfully so. This is another aspect of Star Wars that folks at the time just weren't accustomed to. We went from The Return of the Jedi in 1983 to the original Han Solo adventures, which were published in the late 80s, which was before Han met Luke and Leia and joined the Rebellion. Then, Zahn came out with the Thrawn trilogy of books, where we already had Han and Leia married, and she was pregnant with Jason and Jaina. This novel was released in 1994, and it was the first time many Star Wars fans were confronted with the fact that Han and Leia may not end up together. Now, we know from the Thrawn trilogy that they were going to, but there was at least the chance. But what most people remember about this book, besides Space Fabio, are the Witches of Dothamir. It was an introduction to the Force that most fans of Star Wars had never seen before. This was Star Wars used as some sort of magic. Previously, the Force was always talked about in mystical terms, as a spiritual feeling. But with the Witches of Dothamir, it was thought of more in a magical sense, like you would see in a high fantasy novel with witches and wizards and warlocks. They speak incantations when they use the force. You expect to see them, you expect to see the Night Sisters huddled around a cauldron. 
It was just a unique, weird way of using the force that up to that point in time, those of us that enjoyed the Star Wars saga had never seen. And it was fascinating. You either loved it or you hated it. There was really no middle ground when it came to that aspect of the courtship of Princess Leia. And it seems like the majority of people loved it, including many of the people that worked at Lucasfilm. Because aspects of using the Force in a more magical way than a more spiritual way have continued on into canon. Well, enough of my opinions on the courtship of Princess Leia. Let's hear from one of our listeners. Rusar Vareth sent in an audio file with his thoughts on the courtship. Hey everyone, here are some quick thoughts on the courtship of Princess Leia. I love this book for a number of reasons, and I'll come to this in a minute, but first I'll be honest, I think most of it doesn't quite work. A compelling love triangle is really hard to write, and unfortunately I do not think Dave Wolverton pulls it off. I struggled to care about his order, I thought it was kind of out of character for Leia to ghost Han and to fall in love with someone she just met. Meanwhile, Han acting like an angry child gets annoying real fast. Here's a quick life advice. You shouldn't kidnap your girlfriend and take her to a planet full of witches and giant monsters. Even if she wants to leave you for Fabio, just don't... don't do this. Oh, and don't get me started on Luke's blue lightsaber. It's a common mistake in Legends books post-Return of the Jedi to give him back a blue lightsaber. Aaron, do you know if there's a reason for it, or is it just a mistake? But enough negativity. As I said earlier, there's still a lot of things to love in this book. First of all, it's lighthearted, and overall, it's a fun read, especially the second half when the story really picks up and the Dathomir witches are introduced. Personally, I discovered the witches of Dathomir in some random Queenland Voss comics years before reading Courtship. I loved this idea of Rancor riding witches, but I didn't know at the time I had Dave Wolverton to thank for creating them. As a horror fan, I love that later creators used this opportunity to give us voodoo magic spells, zombies, giant spiders, giant bats, and the creepy red atmosphere of Dathomir. What's great with the Star Wars Expanded Universe is that even the movies, TV shows, and books we don't like that much still introduce cool ideas or concepts that will be expanded upon in later material. Heck, even the holiday special introduced us to the now iconic Boba Fett. And speaking of that character, without the courtship of Princess Leia, we wouldn't have Boba Fett riding a rancor, which was honestly the coolest thing I've ever seen. So thank you for everything, Dave Wolverton. Have a good day, everyone. Thanks for the message, Rusar. To answer your question real quick about Luke using a blue lightsaber in the book, I paid close attention to that on this reread, and I did not notice them saying it was a blue lightsaber. There were a few times where they mentioned where he would ignite the lightsaber, and when he would use it, there would be a blue flash. Now, I don't know if that's just a difference in translation, between the English version of the books that I read and the versions of the books that you read. Maybe it was literally translated to blue lightsaber in your books, but in the English version of this one, there is nothing in there that specifically says blue lightsaber. Regardless, you are correct. There were a few times 
in early Legends books where they got that continuity wrong. However, thank you for bringing up the Rancors. I did not want to be the one who brought it up first, mainly because I wanted to keep that a little bit of a surprise for the listeners today. Yes, in the courtship of Princess Leia, people ride Rancors. For those of you who watched the Book of Boba Fett show, in the episode where Danny Trejo's character tells Boba Fett about the witches of Dathomir used to ride Rancors, this is the book that it's from. It's from The Courtship of Princess Leia. The latest thing from this book to be made canon. And it was exhilarating to hear. I did the Leonardo DiCaprio meme. I pointed at the television and started laughing. And that's just the latest thing from The Courtship of Princess Leia that has been brought into canon. Of course, the planet Dathomir is canon. The Night Sisters are canon. Although... The Night Sisters that we see in the Clone Wars television show are different from the Night Sisters in the courtship of Princess Leia, but basically they're the same. They use dark side magic to achieve their goals through incantations or mixing up different potions, stuff like that. The idea of the Night Sisters in canon today came from the courtship of Princess Leia. They're definitely different in the way they're depicted, but this is the book where the Night Sisters originated from. And like Rusar said, we saw weird force creatures, spiders, bats, almost as large as like pterodactyls. Zombies, where the Night Sisters would reanimate dead Imperials and have them stalk our heroes through the jungle or through the Imperial garrison. This really was one of the first weird Star Wars novels that the vast majority of people that read really liked. And some of the joke, some of the love that comes from the courtship of Princess Leia is because we know it's not that good of a book. We know it's strange. We know it's silly. We know it's funny. We know that it's insane. Han and some weird space Fabio fighting over Leia, while witches ride rancors and float in the air. The Night Sisters are basically described as a whole clan based on the Wicked Witch of the West, from the Wizard of Oz movie in 1939. You can imagine them wearing their black robes with their big black hat and their long curly noses. I'll get you my pretty. It's hilarious. And that's why people that read this book, the majority of them, look back on this book fondly. And when you look at how this book has influenced Star Wars, both the Legends timeline and now in canon, people just look back at it fondly. I hope, as the Essential Legends collection continues, that the courtship of Princess Leia is included in that, because I do believe that this is Essential Legends reading. Now, I did see that the cover art for the new canon novel 
The Princess and the Scoundrel was recently released. We're going to get the canon account of Han and Leia's wedding and their honeymoon. So I do understand that if the Courtship of Princess Leia would ever be part of that Essential Legends reading collection, then it's probably not going to come out in any of the waves anytime soon. You're not going to want to put it out at the same time that the canon story of how Han and Leia are married is released. It's going to confuse a lot of people. But hopefully, before the Essential Legends collection is wrapped up, the Courtship of Princess Leia is included because when fans of Legends talk about the most famous books in the Legends timeline, the Thrawn trilogy is obviously number one. The New Jedi Order is one of the most famous series of Legends books, but those are 19 books. When you're talking about single books, in my opinion, The Courtship of Princess Leia is one of the five most famous Legends books. And because of that, I think it deserves a spot in that Essential Legends collection. Will we see anything else from Courtship of Princess Leia made into canon? I don't know. I'd kind of like to see the witches of Dathomir riding their rancors. Now, according to the Book of Boba Fett, That happened years ago, and we know from the Clone Wars television show that General Grievous and the droid army wiped out the Sisters on Dathomir. So as far as we know, there's no one left on the planet, but we're getting a lot of stories right now that have taken place in the past. These High Republic books take place 200 years ago. Could they ever go to Dathomir? And if they do, will we see the Dathomiri witches and their rancors? I hope so. And I hope we somehow see them on the television screen, whether it's in live action or an animated show. So, time to wrap up. If you have a question or comment for the show, you can send me an email at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or a tweet at Legends Lounge 1. I'd love to hear from you. And if you want to get your voice on the show, like Rusar Vareth and Brooke Nury did, record your own 3-5 to five minute audio file and send it to swlegendslounge at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Just record it in MP3 or MP4 format, please. Now, coming up on the next episode, I'll be heading back to the Clone Wars era with Shatterpoint by Matthew Stover. It's a book that I read once before, about 15 years ago. How does it hold up again on second reading? Well, we'll see. Should be fun. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. I'm Aaron Motes. May the Force be with you. And remember, there's always a bit of truth in Legends.